This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Murray to the right, has Adebayo defending. Bounce pass to Jokic against Martin at the free throw line. Jokic puts it on the deck, drives and scores. Denver back in front. Drives, fades, fires, missed it. Rebound weak side, Bruce Brown puts it back up and in. Denver by one. No team in NBA history's waited longer. After 47 years, the Denver Nuggets are finally NBA champions. Maybe one day as a franchise, I, Jordan Cornett, and alongside me, Andre Snellings, will hear that about our Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> and they are Super Bowl champs for the first time. It would be fantastic. Okay. Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. And like I mentioned, we are not Canty nor Carlin. He's Andre Snellings. I'm Jordan Cornett. And we're rocking with you here for the next three hours. Kenny and Carlin is presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career you'll love with flexibility, great pay and benefits in one of the country's top workplaces. Come join their growing team. Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. One guy who applied pressure throughout the postseason, averaging 30, 13 and 5 on the backboard, nine and a half dimes, was the NBA Finals MVP for the first time in his career, Nikola Jokic, already a two-time MVP. The dude is stacking accolades, now a world champion. For the first time in postseason history, the Joker was the first player to lead all players, all players, all players in the postseason in points with 610, rebounds with 279, and assists with 190. Dude was just different. Andre, I know you're a big metrics guy, but you're an ESPN NBA senior writer and analyst. As you assess the Joker's game, just how remarkable was was this run? I mean, this guy is playing at as high as a level have we seen, and you can say this without making it a comparison to MJ or Wilt or any of these guys, playing at as high of a level as we've seen in NBA postseason history. Yeah, Jokic, he's always been a unique superstar. I think long before maybe he was even getting national attention because really that kind of started this postseason run even though he already had two MVPs. But the way that he is able to control an offense both as a scorer and a distributor from the center position, it might be unique in history. I don't think there's, I don't think it's controversial to say he's the best passing big man of all time. But on top of that, as you were pointing out earlier, he's about the size of Shaq. And so that's so underrated. Andre. You know, I feel like people lose that point. Like this guy, they talk about his pudge. He's a mountain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it may be Pudge, but can't nobody move it. Or at least there's very few people that can. And so in this postseason, we saw some of the excellent defenders, but that are more lean, you know, the Anthony Davis, the Bam Adebayo. They just couldn't do anything with Jokic's bulk. And, you know, for better or for worse, he didn't have to worry about dealing with some of the, say, Embiid's or um, maybe the front lines of, of the Bucks or the Celtics that maybe could have given him a little bit more trouble. And he did exactly what he was supposed to do against those light-in-the-tail guys. So then, Andre, do you feel like the path, which maybe had a little bit more resistance than others we've seen in recent memory, taking on an eight-seed here, you know, a, a LeBron-led Lakers team that didn't have that same thing to them, a Suns group that had Kevin Durant just join them 10 games on the back end of the regular season, so trying to figure out who they were in a Minnesota team that was never really a dangerous group. When you look at that path, does that take away anything? As the detractors out there try to say, oh, well, you know, you've got to understand this title is absolutely a title, but 
their path was easier than most. Uh, what would you say to those detractors? I'm not one that, that that goes in for asterisks. You know, I remember the the Lakers championship doesn't count. It's in the bubble. Nah, it's a ring. It goes in history. The Nuggets are the NBA world champions, and that that's solidified. So. Yes, you know, you can look at it like, well, he, you know, of the four teams that the Nuggets went through, three of them were playing teams. But of those three playing teams, one of them was in the finals just a few years ago. The other one won the championship just a few years ago, built around the same core. So these weren't just, you know, uh, wild card teams that got hot. Like these were really legitimate, strong teams that he went through. And on top of that, and I said he went through, really the Nuggets went through. On top of that, they did what they're supposed to do against that competition. They won convincingly every time. Yeah, look, this was the best team out of the West, in my opinion, as we watched the the regular season play out. This was a team that I looked at and said, that's the team to be. This is a team that I put a futurist play on because I, I felt really good about the Nuggets. I'm not saying I had to pat myself on the back, although it did pad the bank account a little bit, which is in <laughs> dire need right now with the growing family. I uh, was definitely happy about that. But as you look at it, I always hate – the path conversation and the competition a championship team faced. Because at the end of the day, I played college ball. I played at a high level at Notre Dame. I wasn't good enough to get to the NBA. I absolutely admire what that level and caliber of talent can do. That's the that's the .00001% of basketball players. And when you watch the last guy on that bench – that would give anybody an absurd amount of buckets. So oh, understanding yeah. that the cohesion of any group in that league is incredibly talented. Flawed or not, talented. When you are the best, when you are at the front of the line, when you are the top shelf in the association, I don't care what kind of year it is. I don't care what the eight-seeded team looked like. You know what the Heat did? Steamrolled the East. Oh, yeah. Encapsulated something magical to get them to that place turned around in game two and made adjustments to make people felt like that was a series. And what Denver did was who they'd always been. Never got too high, never got too low. Never gave you the sound bites that were needed. Coach Malone, people might have questioned his calling out his team after that game two loss in the NBA Finals to the Heat, but he knew which strings to pull for this group. You want to know why? Because they're egoless. When I even sat up here on the radio after Coach Michael Malone said our team didn't have the energy and called him out and said it was an embarrassment, this is not how we need to play, even after game one questioned his group after they won game one of the NBA Finals. I started to question, I said, was this not the right approach for a group that's never been there before? And that's on me because this group and what makes them special, in my opinion, is that they are egoless, they are coachable. This is a group that understands how to communicate with each other, what kind of response that presents, and why this team may be poised to do more than just what they achieved being at the top of the mountaintop to end this season. This group is thinking more moving forward, so much so the Joker, the MVP of the NBA Finals, was asked if he thinks his group can repeat next year. To be honest, I don't think about the next year. I'm gonna ask the coach to to give me a couple week a couple weeks more off, uh, so I can I can be ready for the season. Uh, that's supposed to be a joke, and you didn't laugh. <laughs> Good job, guys. Um, yes, but you know we have we have we have a we have a. But it's not the starting unit, guys. For real, it's it's the whole team. Uh, like I said, the, the since day one in San Diego. It was something different about this team. Uh, I felt it. Uh, I felt it. Something, some different, different energy. And every day since 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 that day, it was. I had the same feeling. So, 
Uh, I'm not really optimistic guy, but uh, that that gave me a hope that we can do something. Uh, we can do something. The, the thing, Andre, is I listen to him, and again, that's just another reason why I believe in this group because they're a pretty simple group. I mean, you don't have these these gregarious personalities, these this this up and down roller coaster of emotion that comes with them. These guys come to work, put in the work, play at the highest of level, execute, get back to family, get back to rest, work at the craft, and are ready to go again. They're not reading the headlines. They're not. They're not all in the videos, dancing, doing all this stuff. This group is what you see is what you get. And us as TV people and media people may not like it because we're not getting those poignant moments, those incredible sound bites, but that is what almost ensures to me that this group is built for the long run. Oh, I absolutely love Jokic's interviews because, like, the fact that he had to explain that he was joking because he delivered it <laughs> like it was just a dead serious line or the the one where, you know, they're like, yeah, you know, what about the parade? And he's like, I want to go home. You know, like, like yeah, he was I, hot. You he know, was hot. <laughs> I love that, that he cares so little about the accolades and the trappings of fame. He just wants to play ball, win, and go home. So I appreciate that. And, you know, going back to what you were saying earlier, I think there's a difference between being a detractor of a team's championship run and being an analyst when trying to figure out how they compare with other great players or teams in history. I'm right there with you, and I was saying it earlier. Like, the Nuggets are the NBA champion Full stop. You know, I don't I don't need anybody to try to, well, let's tear it down a little bit. But if we're talking about how do they compare with other championship teams in history or, the you know, our favorite barbershop conversations, where does Jokic now fit uh, in the pantheon of, of NBA players or NBA centers? Then I do think it's fair to look at who he did this against, not to tear him down, but just to kind of properly evaluate what he did compared to what some of the others have done in history. Okay, Andre, let's go there. I mean, you're the NBA senior writer for, for you're the ESPN senior writer for the NBA and analyst. I mean, you, this is what you do. You're a metrics guy. You compare guys from different eras. So a lot of times it might just feel like barbershop conversation or, or radio fodder, but you have a formulaic approach to this. So where does a guy like the Joker who just became the NBA Finals MVP for the first time in his career, first time world champion, two time NBA MVP that put up 30, 13 and five on the backboard and nine and a half assists in this postseason. Where does he rank on your all time centers list? And tell me how you get to that point. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, let's not actually get it twisted. I'm an analyst at ESPN because I love the barbershop conversation so much. (laughs) I I used to spend so much time on them that I learned how to use NBA analytics so that I could try to evaluate players from different eras and try to compare them. Um, So as far as Jokic goes, what we've seen him do on the offensive end is already on the short list of greatest offensive players um, in NBA history. You know, I, I think that even like compared to the other great centers, you could already make a case that maybe he's got more offensive impact than even some of the goats. But where uh, you know Jokic falls a little bit short compared to some of the all-time great centers is that most of them were also dominant on defense or at least had the ability to be. So when I look at the best centers of all time, I've got a list of either five or six, uh, depending on whether you count Tim Duncan as a center or not, that 
I think Jokic is still trying to catch up to. Let, let's let's put Tim Duncan in there, and let's also understand the very obvious caveat. Like, there's still those guys. The, the longevity of their careers automatically puts them okay. in a different sphere as we have this conversation. A lion share. Joker is firmly in his prime right now. We do understand that. All right. Yep. And and Jokic, you know, has a long time to try to move up this list as sure. well. So, um, but yeah, let's go through the top six and let's start with number one. So for number one, I've got Mr. William Felton Russell, Bill Russell himself. Um, you one, and I okay. were, were talking in the break about uh, how his game might translate to the present day. I don't really care about that. Much like I don't care who the Nuggets had to beat, they were the champions. Russell was the biggest impact player in NBA history at the time and the players he was playing against. So, you know, whether he could play today or not, I don't know, but I do know the man was six foot eleven and he was an Olympic caliber high jumper, so I think he could figure it out. So next, number two. Number two. I will go with Kareem Abdul Jabbar. He's, you know, the the legend. It, it, you don't really have to make his case. He was the all-time leading scorer in the NBA, six-time MVP, six-time uh, uh, champion, and he just had that unblockable shot in the skyhook. And whereas Jokic, I think, might be able to have an offensive impact even bigger than Kareem's, Kareem was an excellent defender as well. So uh, I'll go from there to number let me, three. Let me, let me pull back before you get to three there. All right. These were two guys that would struggle to guard a guy like Joker in how he plays the game. Not saying Joker is above them, just saying going back to the lingering impact of how Joker approaches the game, be hard to defend no matter how great those two players are. They'd have to come out and dance with him on a perimeter. I, I don't know that Russell would have trouble with that because, again, okay. he was an Olympic caliber, like not just high jumper. He, he ran the 110 high hurdles. He was ultra quick. So he would be able to, to come out to the perimeter. Um, and he dealt with a, a behemoth and wilt. So true, I don't know the joker size would really intimidate him. Number three. Number three, I'm going with Shaquille O'Neal, the big diesel. You know, you and I have been debating today uh, him versus uh, Jokic at his peak, but the Diesel did it for a really long time. And at his peak, he was an unstoppable offensive force. He also was second in the Defensive Player of the Year vote in his peak season as well. So he was able to do it at both ends, and he was playing in an era where it was the lowest scoring era in NBA history. If he was playing at a time when there was so much three-point shooting like today, it would be really hard to slow him down. And nobody was going to the cup when Shaq was lingering in that pain. When he was loitering in a colored <laughs> area, you weren't messing around with anything at the cup. Bruises waiting to happen. Yep. Number four. Number four, Akeem the Dream Olajuwon. And I'm never, you know, I'm never sure that I shouldn't have him higher on the list. The dream, he had the dream shake, the the impeccable footwork, the post moves, and, and his scoring mindset. But on top of that, he was the best defender in the NBA for multiple years during his prime. The things that he was able to do, especially considering he learned basketball later in life off of his soccer background, he was probably the most agile center that I've ever seen. The Dream Shake highlight film. I mean, teaches taught footwork to guys like Kobe Bryant because of how special he approached the game. Never seen anything like it. May never will again. Number five. Going with Tim Duncan, if we're counting him as a center. He was the big fundamental, but he also was maybe one of the most prepared college athletes to the pros I've ever seen. He stepped into the NBA and immediately was 
almost perfect on defense, his positioning, his ability to protect the rim. But he could also get out and, you know, get outside the paint and defend. He could move those puppies, as Kendrick Perkins would say. And on offense, he had the fundamental game. He had the drop steps. He could uh, make the bank shot. But he also had a nice little mid-range out to about 12 to 15 feet. He wasn't so great at free throws later in his career. But outside of that, he almost didn't really have a flaw. Okay, so so you ran through five. That's our list? I got one more. Number six. Wilt the Stilt. You know, he he's the most overwhelming statistical force that the NBA has ever seen as far as box score statistics go. I feel like he was really able to kind of pick something and just maximize it. He said, I want to score. So he averaged 50 points a, a, a game for a season and scored 100 points. He said, okay, now I want to assist. So then he led the NBA in assists. Okay, now I want to be efficient. So we set the all-time record in scoring efficiency. He was able to kind of just choose what he wanted to do on the court. The game was that easy for him. Strong. Strong list, Andre Snellings. Strong. Only missing, I mean, knows the Drunas Ilgowskis on there? <laughs> well, I kid. I kid, obviously. Don't <laughs> at me. That was merely a joke. As you lay out your six, where do you envision? Purely projection, obviously speculation. When it's all said and done, where do you see Joker placing himself on that pantheon of greats. Yeah, I would say right now he's trying to battle. The two next names on the list would have been David Robinson and Moses Malone in some order. I think Jokic is already playing himself into their level. Um, You you know, Malone had three MVPs as well as that finals MVP. But I think Jokic's skill set and now his, um, his hardware that he's amassed has already got him in that conversation. I could see him perhaps surpassing someone like Wilt because as dominant as Wilt was, he played at the same time as Russell and Russell was able to have a bigger impact on games more consistently. So, you know, I, I could see Wilt as the next one that the Joker is, is is trying to walk down. And you know what else is fascinating with that list, Andre? It, it, some of those guys, like <clears throat> you look at a Kareem. I mean, he was so – the length on Kareem, the legs, the knees. I mean, the feet. There's, there was injuries that ultimately took him out of the game. His body was beaten up. Shaq, punishing. Wilt, punishing. High-impact, explosive athletes. Joker doesn't approach the game that way. There could be a longevity here if the interest remains because that's also a fascinating component – with a guy like the Joker, is he's made it clear basketball is a conduit. He he's good at it. He likes to work at it. He achieves. He has a great life from it. But you know, there's a lot of not take it or leave it from the guy because he's committed. But you hear how he talks about the game. It's not life or death for him. This isn't. It's not. If this is the only thing he has, it's all he can think about. Doesn't take away from the dedication, but his his mental approach, if he's committed to wanting to do this for a long time, the way he approaches the game, Andre, I don't see why he can't stay at this level for a lot of years to come. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that, and I look forward to watching it play out. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Great list there from Andre Snellings. It's absolutely why you should check out our senior writer for the NBA and our analyst. Like he said, he gives you the NBA, he gives you the barbershop vibe with the NBA, but he also gives you the metrics to back it up. Can't argue with that list as much as I would love to. Coming up, the Nuggets get it done, and we'll be joined by the only Nuggets fan that we know of, I believe. Part of the ESPN family, Aaron Goldhammer, takes his victory lap after Andre has this from Indeed. If the June tune requires you to hire soon, then Indeed would be a boon. Got bars. Their powerful hiring platform makes it simple to attract, interview, and hire candidates all in one place. 
Just sponsor a post and get matched instantly with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed meet your job description. Then invite them to apply and get connected. No more jumping from site to software to cell phone. You can easily schedule and conduct virtual interviews all on the Indeed website. Get started at Indeed.com slash credit. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. No team in NBA history's waited longer. After 47 years, the Denver Nuggets are finally NBA champions. Congratulations. You are the 2023 NBA champions. All the sacrifice, all the dedication, all culminated with us winning a championship. But I got news for everybody out there. We're not satisfied with one. We want more. We want more. Sounds good to Nuggets Nation. No question. It's Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sears XM Channel 80 is where you can find us. Presented by Progressive Insurance. It's Andre Snellings alongside myself, Jordan Cornett, and the champions are indeed the Denver Nuggets for the first time in their 47-year history. Andre, we'd love to see it for our Cincinnati Bengals, man. One day it'll happen because we have waited longer than Nuggets fans, but one no longer has to wait. He's part of the ESPN family here, does a great job on our airwaves, but also on ESPN, on back in Cleveland. In ESPN Cleveland, it's Aaron Goldhammer. You can find him at Hammer Nation 19 He is the only Nuggets fan that we knew of 
that's part of the ESPN radio family. So we said, <laughs> Aaron, we're going to give you the platform here, man. You never thought you'd get Hello? this opportunity. I'm I'm live in heaven. Can you guys hear me? Can you hear me down there on planet Earth? I'm How's floating. It feel? They got good How's reception in heaven. Listen, guys, you know, I, I was sort of an anxious kid. I'll, I'll tell you this story. I, I did not sleep well when I was a kid. And so one thing that my parents did that they knew would give me some calm is – my first love in life was the Denver Nuggets, and they would record their radio broadcast for me. And then in the middle of the summer when they didn't have any games, I had an old tape deck in my room You know, when I was five, six, seven years old, and I would put the game on, and it would help lull me to sleep. I used to get excited when I would go to the game and the Nuggets would win. Even, the, even if they had a 20-win team, I would get excited that once I was there for them to actually score a victory – so it was surreal last night when the clock ticked down to zero. I was holding my son Levi in my arms as it happened. And to be honest, I, I'm kind of embarrassed to say this, but I fell to the ground and started crying. Like sometimes maybe as fans, we care too much about this stuff. But there were some serious tears shed in the Goldhammer house in Cleveland, Ohio last night. That, that's beautiful. I'm picturing the Kevin Garnett, anything's possible, playing out in your living room. Um, but uh, so Hammer. I thought you were going to fight me on Sunday when when, yes. when um, we I, I, I was about to fight you. I, I was worried, Jordan. I was worried that Andre was going to jinx it because he thought the series was over, right? And so he he kept wanting to say, you know, and you know how ESPN Radio we do, you know, the last segment predictions for Game sure. Five, sure. you know, like okay, this is this is what we do. So, you know, I went to him and I go, all right, Andre, what do you think is going to happen? I really didn't want him to say, oh, this is in the bag because. <laughs> You know, coming being in Cleveland covering sports here, you know, we have that three-one comeback on our uh, on our resume in Cleveland. Um, so I didn't want Andre jinxing it because I knew that if the Nuggets had lost that game last night, then you go to Miami and suddenly this becomes a little bit more sure. of a of an arduous journey. So <laughs> wait, I, wait, I, wait, wait, there's a little bit of revisionist history there. You didn't come to me and say, "So what do you think?" You gave every prop bet. That was listed during that segment. You said uh, Gabe Vincent over eleven and a half points. Uh, What do you think about that, Dre? Uh, How about um, you know uh, uh, Caleb Martin over nine and a half points? And I looked up. There was about (laughs) seventeen seconds left in the show, and I was like, "Bro, are you trying to avoid the prediction?" And that's when you finally let me say, "I'll take Heat plus nine, just so I didn't have to 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 jinx your boys." The the relief was palpable. I totally get it. For those listening, join the conversation on the CC call in line. one say espn Are the Nuggets the next NBA dynasty? We'll ask Aaron. ESPN of Cleveland also does a ton with us here on ESPN Radio on the national stage as well. A diehard Nuggets fan. We'll get to that from Aaron in a second. We do want to hear from you, so please call in one eight eight say espn But take me through this journey. Did you, just the ride. I mean, we know it as Bengals fans. We're kind of back right now. We're hot because we got Joe Burrow. We yeah. got Jamar Chase. We got T. Higgins, we feel good. Who when did you start to feel, okay, we're in position here to maybe do something great? Well, in the bubble, I was really excited for how they were going to play. And then I thought they were going to lose the Jazz in the first round. Sure. And they came back from 3-1 down and won that series. Jamal Murray went crazy. When they beat the Clippers and came back from 3-1 against them in the bubble, then I started seeing, okay, maybe the Lakers could be vulnerable. Maybe there's a spot for them here. And then, you know, typical like nugget luck from over the years, Jamal Murray gets hurt and he doesn't just get hurt, guys. He gets hurt at a time in the schedule where he's going to miss not one postseason, but two. And at that point, like my whole excitement for the team got put on hold. 
And I, wh- one of the things I've learned in this journey is we spend a lot of time debating who should win the MVP in this or that sport. As a fan of a team like this, I could care less whether Nikola Jokic did or did not win any of these MVP awards or the whole conversation just kind of exhausted me because what I wanted to do was finally beat the Lakers and achieve some level of playoff success. So all year this year, it was just like a big tease waiting up until the postseason when, you know, everybody was assuming that the Nuggets would blow it and lose to Phoenix or, you know, we assumed they'd get by the the T-Bulls, but they weren't playing well at the end of the regular season. I knew this team was for real when they were 2-2 with Phoenix and they came back home and they kicked the crap out of Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. That sent a message to me about them. I didn't fear the Lakers anymore and they swept them, which I thought was sending a real message. And then I, I do think part of the ride, right, Jordan, is that they got a little lucky here in terms of who they played in the finals. Like, I would have been nervous about the Celtics or the Bucks, but both those teams lose to the Heat. And yes, I knew Miami would be tough. And yes, I knew they wouldn't give anything away. But I also knew that the, the Nuggets were just the more talented team. And I think that proved out over the course of the five games. So some are winning a championship finally. And like, keep this in mind as a Bengals, like, you have to get lucky. You know, there has to be a little. A little fairy dust involved. Yeah, so um, we talked a lot about how nervous you were about me jinxing this championship. So I could think of nothing I'd rather ask you than how sure are you that this is the start of a dynasty? Um, Well, I think right now you'd be hard-pressed to tell me a team in the West that you think is better. I haven't seen any of the offseason moves yet, but I don't buy Phoenix. I don't think they have the depth. Um you know, there are a few up-and-coming teams like Memphis, but, I mean, they're going to be dealing with probably, what, a 30-game suspension at the beginning of the year or something like that for John ja Morant. So I think right off the bat, they've got to be the favorites in the Western Conference. I think health is really important for them. You know, they need both Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. to stay healthy. But if they do that, I think they pretty unequivocally now have the best player in the world, and that's where it starts. So at this point, I'd set the over-under on additional championships for them at, like, one and a half and I might take the over. I think Jokic could get to three titles. I really do. What a strategic position there. One and a half, so just say, yeah. I mean, it's 50-50 for this next one. It could go either way. But the fact that they are positioned with the personnel and the egos and how it's aligned contractually with their stars, and like you said, having those two top-tier guys locked in here for a few years, it's going to be a fun ride. And it's all about opportunity. I mentioned Ma- Malcolm Gladwell and Outliers, the book. It's all about being able to be successful and capitalizing on the moment. And if you're properly placed yeah. in that moment of opportunity, anything is possible. It certainly does feel like, Aaron, as you laid it out right there, and many of us aware that this is that time for the Nuggets. And they do have the best player in the world, two-time MVP, and now finals MVP, yeah. Nikola Jokic. You know, can we get – I understand Boban Marjanovic is very marketable <laughs> or whatever. You know, Andre and I were laughing, Jordan. There's a Kyle Kuzma Panera commercial that's been running all playoffs long. Can we get a nugget in a dang national commercial? See, the like, thing is, I don't think Jokic wants it, right? He's probably saying no to it. Yeah, he but, wants to go home. But but the, they deserve a little shine. So send a Taco Bell camera over to Serbia. Here's the perfect fit, right? He was drafted during a Taco Bell commercial. How is Taco Bell not signing up for a Nikola Jokic sponsorship? Let's go, Taco Bell. I'm I mean, counting on you. He looks like he hasn't missed the four 
fourth meal, and yet he delivers. He gives hope for all of us who maybe aren't the most fit guys, but we still get it done. Joker is my guy. I'm a de facto Nuggets fan. I grew up in Cincinnati. We don't have a team. Aaron, I'm jumping on the bandwagon, man. We appreciate you joining us. It's Aaron Goldhammer of ESPN Cleveland. Of course, you can find him on our airwaves all the time. Aaron, congratulations, my friend. Thank, thank, that's a little odd. I didn't get like six points and five boards last night, but I will take the congrats. I will take no, the Mazel take Tov. It, man. You, you, you've been locked in. You've been loyal. Loyalty matters. Yeah, I feel like I, I do feel like I won something. So, but all day people have been saying congratulations, and I've been thinking to myself, like, for what? For watching all these years? Like, oh, for making it, it through? As a Bengals fan, I say we all the time. I know Andre Snellings does Absolutely. as well. It's so we. does this mean that I have to call you guys if the Bengals win the Super Bowl and offer you congratulations in on order to be a good that, friend? having us on whatever show you're hosting that day, my friend, because you're one of the hardest working in the business. We expect <laughs> no, a call like, to be a guest as well. Like, like when, when you guys have a ba- – like, the Cornets get promoted for some big, you know, incredible <laughs> broadcast opportunity like then I will call you and say congrats when the Bengals win the Super Bowl I'll call Joe Burrow and say congratulations that, you got, his, you got number. his number hey yeah you're, you're ahead of us pass it along Aaron we appreciate the time man bask in the glory then not a congratulations just enjoy the wave these next few days your team is an NBA champion can you feel the smile on my voice can you sense it through the through the smart speaker or through the radio or through the phone I'm, I've been I, ear to ear thank you guys thanks for having me this is what happens when you have super fans on. You can't let them go. It's Aaron Goldhammer. <laughs> we appreciate it. Make sure you join us in the conversation on the CC call-in line. one say espn Are the Nuggets, the Denver Nuggets, your world champion, are they the next NBA dynasty? Make sure you call in. one say espn Coming up, we want to hear more. Tell us, is this the dynasty? If not, who is? Plus, can the Bengals become the NFL's version of the Denver Nuggets? This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Classic banger to set the tone here on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. You can find us on Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. In for Canty and Carlin, it's Andre Snellings, and I am Jordan Cornett. Andre does a great job as an ESPN NBA senior writer and analyst. A whole lot of hoops to talk about today. We're going to continue on with that because the conversation we've initiated, you can engage yourself on CC colon line one eight eight. Say ESPN, one eight eight. say ESPN. And the question is, are the Nuggets the next NBA dynasty? We've got a few on the horn right now. Let's go to Mitch in Mississippi. Mitch. Yeah, uh, you know, I just want to say, you know, I'm a seventh-generation Coloradoan who moved to Mississippi, watched the Nuggets for years, and my, my father-in-law is a bas- huge basketball fan, and we've been talking – Nikola Jokic has the Bill Russell attitude. The Nugget team, this Nugget team reminds me of the early 2000 Spurs with Parker and and um, Tim Duncan. Ginobili, Ginobili Tim Duncan, really those think, guys. Yeah, uh, and it was every year. I, I remember it was we have to go through the Spurs, and I really think from the landscape right now, everything up in the air. And we're starting to lose Mitch on the back end there, but I like it. You know, I, I like the mention, Andre, I like the mention of the fact that he believes the mentality of the group is part of the staying power, the culture of the Denver Nuggets. 
it's high praise to liken it to the Spurs, but there's something there. It is, and it's also really interesting because all we've heard the last few weeks is about heat culture, right? Yeah, and, and the Nuggets themselves have developed a culture that could uh, permeate over the next uh, several years. Listen, I love a good contrarian. I love somebody who wants to stir the pot. Let's go to Pat in Philly. Hey, what's going on, guys? Pat, what's up? Hey, all this love for the the Joker. I love the Joker. I respect him. But let me tell you something. There's two sides of basketball. And all these people flip-flopping, saying that Joker would have won the MVP if it wasn't for MVP fatigue. Uh, and B led the league in scoring two years in a row, and he's the best defender since Dwight Howard in the NBA as a center. Yeah, I mean, the numbers are good, but there there was a fall-off there. And, and to me, and it doesn't necessarily go into the MVP conversation, but what are you doing to lift up your franchise, right, Andre? And I think that not necessarily plays into the NBA conversation or MVP conversation because it, it really shouldn't. Yeah, it should, to be honest. It should. What are you doing to lift up your team? How valuable are you on the floor in also those intangible ways that make you a true contender? We have not seen the Sixers do it to the level we need to see them. Joel Embiid is a remarkable talent. He's not doing for his franchise as a whole what we're seeing on the other side with the Joker. And look, you could talk about the pieces on the other side. You can talk about the culture. You could talk about coaching, all those things. But to me, I, I just I see it more with the Joker. What do you think, Andre? Yeah, so I think that we saw it this postseason. That that created some separation between Jokic and Embiid. But in the regular season, Embiid earned every bit of that MVP. Um, you know, I'm a numbers guy. ESPN has a, a, a stat called Real Plus Minus, which correlates a player's presence on the court with their team's scoring margin. And in the two years that Joker won the MVP, he edged Embiid both years. This year, Embiid was number one in the league, even ahead of Joker. So I think he deserved it. But in the postseason, the Joker created some separation. Well, and you know what's really interesting now is just how the conversation is going to be different, quite frankly, when you talk about the Joker and when you talk about Embiid. I mean, when you win that title, when you take on that classification of NBA Finals MVP, You've moved light years past Joel Embiid, so credit to the Joker. He's in a different category now. Coming up, Chris Carlin joins his own show. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.